Imagine not knowing what your income would be each week. Financial planning would be a nightmare. Almost 90% of Vision's income is free will donations. When supporters commit to monthly giving, it provides greater certainty when budgeting for regular expenses and weighing up new opportunities that arise. Knowing we can rely on regular gifts each month takes some of the guesswork out of operating a faith ministry. Monthly givers who share our mission are called Visionary Extra Mile Partners. And right now, you're invited to join this growing group of faithful supporters. The amount of your tax-deductible monthly gift is completely up to you. What is most important is knowing that you are standing with us to reach Australia for the gospel. Click the banner at vision.org.au or in the Vision app to find out more about becoming a Visionary Extra Mile Partner. It only takes a few minutes, but will have an eternal impact. Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We're going to be talking about the the rights of grandparents and extended family members who step in to support children when families break down. Well, sometimes there can be very fiery disputes over the welfare of children when things go bad. So when families break down and parents divorce or are heading for divorce, often it's the children who bear the consequences of a broken family. Our special guest this hour is family law specialist Stephen Potts. Stephen is Managing Director and he's a specialist in family law at Newman and Turner Lawyers in Brisbane. And opportunity to ask questions about children in broken families, especially when grandparents or extended family members are involved. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Steve Potts, welcome back to 2020. It's good to be here again. Steve, if we're talking about this type of topic today, grandparents, Mm. extended family members, what are the sort of common issues that come across the table of a family lawyer? And, uh, you know, the family lawyer, I'm I'm sure, uh, in many cases, uh, looking with disbelief that, you know, some of these complexities can 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 happen and things can go wrong. What are the common things that come across your desk? Yeah, absolutely. Look. Sadly, Neil, it gets more complicated. But the more years I do it, the more I've, I guess I've seen, and uh, and I guess a general deterioration in society. But the main kind of issues are grandparents who are stepping in to look after grandchildren. Sometimes, lots of grandparents step in and look after grandchildren in perfectly functional families because mum and dad might be working, and the grandparents might have retired or be transitioning to retirement, so they provide that kind of childcare and a uh, bit of assistance to mum and dad. But when relationships break down, that starts to become a bit more complicated. Uh, what kind of responsibilities will those grandparents be fulfilling? Do they have the ability to go to schools and speak with teachers, things like that? There's a What was once assumed is no longer assumed, so there's got to be a redefining of their roles there sometimes. Uh, I see a lot of grandparents who are stepping in to supervise visits with their grandchildren, so um, there might be situations that have arisen which make it either in the long term or maybe just for a short period impractical for one parent or not 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 appropriate for one parent to be spending time with the children unless it's supervised by someone so grandparents are often one of the first people asked to supervise time with grandkids and then you've got grandparents grandparents who who've got no choice but to intervene in court proceedings because one or both of the parents is um is unsuitable 
There might be um, issues of, of drug use, for example, or I've, sadly I've acted in a few cases where both of the parents have passed away, and so then the question becomes, well, who will look after these children? And it's often grandparents who are having to kind of step in in a different stage of life and, and, and try and work out where they can assist their, their, grandki- their grandkids and, um, and might be other family members as well. Uncles and aunts very commonly have to step in and, and provide some assistance. Well, I was going to ask you about the scenario where one or both parents have passed away and sometimes mm. a tragic accident. Sometimes it's because of health issues. Mm. Uh, and you might think that's less controversial because sometimes the fiery disputes, no doubt, are between uh, a divided family or a divided husband, divided wife. Uh, but some of these things can result also from the death of of parents involved, and then you've got disputes between grandparents. Is that the case? Yeah, that's that's that certainly is the case, and and they're even, I guess, more tragic because there's there's already been the loss of their children, and then they're facing the potential loss of the relationship with their grandchildren, and um, that's particularly the case where grandparents might live at a distance. So I've acted in in matters, for example, where one set of parents lives. In Brisbane, and the other set of parents live. Uh, the other grandmother lives in North Queensland. Now, that creates problems immediately because who's going to care for the children? What will that mean for ongoing contact between the children and the grandparent? Um, and both parents, are, both sets of grandparents, are really grieving the loss of their parents. And that's uh, sorry, their children, the parents of the of the grandkids. And that's a very difficult process to work through uh, with them because you you've got all of the extra emotional uh, detail there. It might not be. There might not have been a relationship breakdown, but or there might have been. I've certainly had matters where the parents had started with both of the parents in court, and then during the proceedings, um, both of the parents have passed away. That was a particularly tragic case. And then the, an aunt and a grandmother and another set of grandparents have to intervene, and yes, it becomes very difficult. And of course, when we think of families breaking down, a, a husband and a wife going through divorce, uh, sometimes we think that's where the dispute is. Mm. Uh, but uh, this deeper aspect of all of the other secondary members of the family, whether it's grandparents, it could be uh, other family members within a family, uh, this is sometimes where some of the fieriest disputes actually are. Yeah, that's certainly the case. And everybody everybody's experience of their own family is different. It's not uncommon to have one family member who's got very strong opinions and might be a little bit more uh, assertive about those opinions. And if they're on the periphery, maybe they're a sister or an uncle or an aunt or something like that, then that can also bring a lot of extra tension into the relationship because they'll be they'll be speaking into the life of one of the parents and you might have a, another voice in the ear of the other of the other side and uh, that kind of escalates the dispute or, you know... Um, triangulates the dispute because you've got a dispute between two parents and then this other strong personality on the side? Well, we are going to take calls and we'll start taking them from an early stage. You might have your own question to ask. You might have a scenario to run by our special guest. Uh, Let's hear from Rodney, who is in Melbourne. Hello, Rodney. Welcome along. Rodney, you might like to turn your radio down in the background, but uh, yeah, Rodney, what's your, what do you have a question or a comment to make about our conversation today? Yeah, look, mate, I've, I, with personal experience and stuff like that, I've seen um, a few matters, you know, where, the, yeah, in some cases the uh, grandparents have to have to step up because, you know, other parents um, are incapable of looking after the child. Mm-hmm. Um, like my, my mother, she had to step in and intervene um, once because it got that way, you know. Um, my my sister was incapable of looking after the kids for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, my sister went had to 
go away for a while and sort of her issues. And, you know, um, in time, she got the kids back. But just from my personal experience, I've, myself, I've, you know, um, with my daughter's grand, um, yeah, I'm off talking about myself, you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's okay, but you. Just with um, my personal experience, I've, there, there was actually a court order against my ex and her family um, in relation to, um, you know, um, with them and not, you know, have contact unless there's a, a police officer was present. Mm-hmm. You know, look, it depends on backgrounds. Um, like, you know, you, go, you guys talk about the best interest of the child. Yeah, that's, that's all well and true, you know, don't get me wrong. But, you know, in, in this, Circumstances, the uh, you know the child with the grandparents, so were very unsafe to be around. Um, as you said, you know there's a uh, history of uh, drug abuse, there's history of domestic violence, history mm-hmm. of you know um, I won't say it over air, but to do with kids, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you know it depends on some cases. Yeah, the, the grandparents um, think you know they want to do what what's best for the child, but it, it, you know it can it, it can make it, make it worse. Um, like, you know, they kept popping over every time my, my daughter was in bed. They, they said, you know, give her a bed, want to see her now. Um, you know, so I had to do what was, you know, what was the best interest in my, in my daughter um, in relation to her grandparents. Yeah. Um, you know, not thinking of the best interest, popping over all hours of the night. Yep. Um, uh, Rodney, like, let's get a response uh, from Steve. Uh, Steve, is this a common scenario? Yeah, it is in the sense that... Um Sometimes grandparents can mean the very best but end up interfering a lot and it makes it very difficult because, you know, the parents have separated. They've now got to try and navigate what it's like to run two different households and the kids have got to learn what it's going to be like to live in two different households. And if you have a set of grandparents or other, it doesn't matter whether they're grandparents or uncles or not, some other kind of family member and they're trying to come into that relationship, it can make it quite difficult. Now, sometimes it works perfectly well. There's still good relationships with the extended family, but like Rodney's pointed out here, sometimes it can be quite difficult. And that's where sometimes there really is no option but to have a court order that kind of puts some regulation around the amount of time, what telephone calls are appropriate or what times of day visits are appropriate, things like that. And in certain circumstances, it is appropriate for there to be orders that restrain people from coming into contact with the children uh, unless certain conditions are met because if you have um, if you have grandparents who are inappropriately discussing the parenting dispute, for example, with the children, then uh, that can make it really bad for the kids because they're hearing all of... Mum and Dad might be really good at keeping it away from the ears of the kids, but the, maybe the grandparents are a bit too involved in it and then they're saying things in front of the kids that might not be appropriate and actually drawing the children into that dispute. Rodney, is that helpful to you? Yes, it is. Uh, in some way, yes. The other thing too, Rodney, is um, and it's a question that uh, a lot of grandparents ask when they when they come and see me is, well, what are my rights? What what is taken into account? And one, there's a whole range of factors that the ch- the court takes into account when looking at what's in a child's best interests. But one of them is the nature of the relationship that the child has with each parent, but also with other people who are important to their family. So that includes grandparents. So the court, particularly, you know, if you've got um, a couple who might have lived with grandma and granddad for a while and so the kids have had a lot of contact with grandma and granddad, then the court sometimes needs to have an understanding of, well, what's the, the, the dynamics between that child and the grandparent? What's the nature of the relationship there? Because all of a sudden removing that might have a really detrimental effect on the child. 
How's that, Rodney? Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, yeah, no. I think it's, I think it's spot on there. Um, like, you know, that was the same instance with um, my sister's kids. They live, yeah, you know, they live with my mum for so long. Um, my mum had a certain routine with them, mm-hmm. and they got really used to mum. Um, and you know, when um, it was time to re- reunite with um, the grandkids back with the the parents, it was yeah, I agree. It was very difficult because you know the kids would say to say mum all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a different surroundings, and you know, it's just surrounds they weren't familiar with. So yeah, no, I, I definitely got that one. Yeah, yeah, and one of the things. Uh, Rodney and Neil, is that when, when you're making arrangements for children, you'll often hear judges talking about let's hasten slowly because, you know, as adults we're pretty adaptive. We like to move quickly. We change things quickly. But particularly with children, they are not they don't have that frame of reference to be able to work with. So courts will often, if, if they're going to move from position A to position B, it'll actually be A.1 and A.2 and A.5 and A.7 before you get to position B because you've got to have all of these little interim steps to allow the children to adjust. And if you've got an arrangement like a grandparent who's provided a lot of care, then that's a really important situation. And what Ronnie's talked about there with his sister and um, and the grandma and the the children, I see that commonly in situations where some, uh, an organisation like um, Child Services, Department of um, child services or those kinds of organisations have had to step in because of issues in relation to a parent. They'll often place the, the children with a grandparent, but they don't want to do that permanently. They want to give the parents some time to sort out what, whatever issues have arisen and then transition the children back into the um, the parents' care. And so that's a really that can be a really slow process as it's navigated because we've got to put a, a measure in place and then assess, is it working? Yes. Where could it be improved? Okay. How's mum going? How's dad going? And just gradually ease the children back into that uh, normal care arrangement. Rodney from Melbourne, thanks so much for uh, calling in and uh, sharing your scenario and hopefully that was uh, helpful insight for you. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might have your own scenario, you might have a comment to make. We are talking about grandparents and the rights of extended family members uh, but of course when we talk about uh, Rodney's scenario or uh, other scenarios here Steve, uh, everybody who's involved has their own rights and of course uh, there's the rights of the parents uh, to hold the grandparents back uh, as we've been hearing uh, so mm. everybody has rights it's just uh, whose rights are more right than others and I, I assume that uh, this is where a family lawyer becomes very important yeah it's it's the word rights is a bit of a loaded kind of a uh, a loaded kind of a term because the family law act doesn't actually set out any specific rights of uh, grandparents or parents really it's all about the child's rights but what the, the Family Law Act does talk about is who has standing to actually approach the court for orders, who can who can uh, stand up in front of a judge and say, I would like some kind of an arrangement for my child or my grandchildren. So the kinds of – obviously, parents have the right to do that. Um, and I say right in the sense of a legal right. I mean, they have the, the ability to file an application with the court. Strangely enough, children actually have that same right, in inverted commas, although – extraordinarily rarely exercised. Grandparents are specifically named. Then the the Family Law Act says any other person who is concerned with the care, welfare and development of a child. So that would typically be aunts and uncles and other extended family members. If they're concerned about the care, welfare and development of the child or children, then they can approach the court for orders or if there's already a dispute going on in court, they can intervene in the court proceedings. Um, What they've got to establish is that they've got that care that that concern for the care, welfare and development of the children. 
Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Well, your opportunity to ask questions about children in broken families, especially when grandparents or extended family members are involved. Steve Potts, our guest, specialist in family law, managing director of Newman and Turner Lawyers in Brisbane. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Steve, let's take some more calls. Karen is in Wyala in South Australia. Hello, Karen. Welcome along. What are your thoughts? Good morning. How are you? Very well, Karen. Do you have a question or a scenario? Um, I have an area. um, I'm a support group worker for um, Wyala and um, we um, work with people that are going through their children's ice addiction. So um, we support the parents and we're finding a lot of grandparents are looking after grandchildren. I was one of them. And, um, yeah, there's just... So many looking after their grandchildren. It's unreal. It certainly is, Karen. And um, and I, I really take my hat off to grandparents in that in that situation. I you know have to be careful because I've got cases that involve these exact issues right now, and it's a yeah, really yeah. difficult situation because um, let's just take the example of ice. It really changes people. People who it used does, to hold yeah. down you know really solid jobs and um, otherwise you'd think perfectly upstanding members of the community and their whole. Life falls apart, and they they no longer able to care for their kids. They're no longer able to meet their financial commitments, and that leaves the the spouse who's been left behind in a really difficult situation, and the grandparents as well. Because again, they've they've all, they've really lost the the child that they knew, and sometimes that means also that they've lost the relationship with their grandchildren. So it's a really difficult situation for them. And um, I really you know it's the work like that you're a grieving process that you go through. Absolutely, you're losing that child, but you're gain, you're also gaining a grandchild. So, through all of that, you've got to realise that that person can't get help until they want help themselves. Yeah, and then you know you need to look after yourself. You also need to look after that grandchild as well. Because, yeah, you know, a re- going through through a lot. Yeah, there's a real tension there. I've I've observed there's a real tension there for grandparents because they've got all of this love and affection for their child and they find it extraordinarily painful to watch their child going through that, that problem, whether it be an ice addiction or, or anything else. Mm, but but yeah. they also see the vulnerability of their children, particularly really young children, and they're torn between their their love and their loyalty for their child and the need to protect the grandchild. And that there's no winners in that kind of um, decision-making process. They've just got to step in and look after their, those grandkids. And that's a really tough uh, process and I think you're right it is a grieving process and there's those stages yeah. of grief because there's there's layers of anger and disbelief and all of those kinds of things that they're trying to wrestle with and still trying to provide some stability for their grandchildren. But also um, what what we're finding is that um, you know with the, with the ice addiction that, that kids are being born to it so they're actually um, they've actually got like a, a syndrome called FASD mm. where they're actually addicted like like babies that um, come bit, from bit of alcohol um, syndrome, yeah. of heroin and stuff mm. like that, yeah. But now it's it's um it's you know it's, it's the child that suffers mentally as well and yes. physically. So yes, yeah, and sadly, I've I've seen children whose uh, whose parents have been users at the time that they were conceived and born, and those children mm-hmm. have been born with you know really significant health issues, bones that don't form properly, and and internal organs and they that have shake. A, yeah, and there's and, actually actually um, people that go to the hospitals and actually um, hold these babies because a lot of the babies um, need 
a lot more attention than a normal newborn. Mm, yeah. And um, these ladies are going out to the hospitals and they're working with the babies and the mums, you know, trying to, to get the babies through this yeah. horrible ordeal. And, and even just through yeah. the night so that mum can get some sleep and things like that as well. That's right, yeah. yeah. But through through all this, um, we've we found a lot of support from different places and I just wanted to mention one place that deals with... Um, it's called Aussie Grandparents Looking After Grandchildren. Have you heard of that group? No, I'm not familiar with that one. And I'm not so no, familiar either. They are amazing. They they help us grandparents um, with legal issues. They help us with Centrelink issues. Um, you know, they've got all the contacts. So if a grandparent wants to get in touch with Centrelink, say, because then, you know, they need money for the child that they're looking after. Mm. Um, we get put straight through to a lady that deals with specifically grandparents looking after grandchildren. That's well, great. Karen, you're involved in a wonderful work there in Wyala in South Australia. What was the name of the yeah. organisation you're working with? So um, the, the organisation that we started is called Wyala Ripples. Wyala Ripples. Yes, and it has, yeah, because the ice addiction has a ripple effect yeah. over everybody in the family, even friends as well, yeah. so... Yeah, so it's yeah, it's the mm-hmm. ripple effect. Karen, so, you're doing a great work, and thank you so much for your you. contribution today here on 2020. That's okay. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks, Karen. Thank you. We are taking calls on 1800 316 316. Our special guest is Steve Potts, a family law specialist. We're talking about grandparents, talking about those extended family members and some of the scenarios uh, that can go particularly badly and uh, who has rights in all of that, particularly when it comes to the courts, if things proceed to... A, uh, a legal dispute that needs to be resolved in the courts. Well, 1-800-316-316, if you'd like to join in our conversation, let's take a call. Rick is in North Queensland. Hello, Rick. Welcome along. Hi. <laughs> Rick, what are your thoughts? Well, I've got a comment and a f- question at the same time. <laughs> okay. We need to be quick. News is coming. Yeah. Um, well, the f- comment is, um, after I lost my grandmother, um, not my grandmother, after I lost my mother, my grandmother took over like mum mum would mm-hmm. and I'm now 30 and she's done a really well job that's great uh, and my question is about my son um, I had a child to a girl and her family has just totally told me no, you can't see it, you can't do anything you're not allowed to do anything I don't know if I'm a, and I'm a guy with an intellectual disability yeah, that doesn't that doesn't uh, prohibit you from having a relationship with your child, Rick. There's the first thing I'd say to you is get in contact with one of the family relationship centres. If you've got uh, internet access, just uh, punch in www.familyrelationships.gov.au. There are a bunch of government-funded centres. They can set up mediations to try and uh, get some informal arrangements uh, happening, and you might even be able to formalise an agreement in a parenting plan. And if you're still unsuccessful in um, getting an agreement, because that is a voluntary process, um, then you're still able to go to the court. Depending on the nature of your your disability, um, there might need to be some form of legal guardian or case administrator, but um, that's not a pro, uh, prohibition on you spending some time with your child. Yeah, I mean, like, literally, he's four years old now, and um, the mother's given custody to the sister, mm-hmm. and I'm not on the birth certificate. Okay, well, even those things can be... Um, can be changed by court orders. You can have your name put onto the birth certificate if there's 
Uh, if there's uncertainty as to whether or not you're the father, sometimes they do DNA tests, but the family court has the power to um, compel. Uh, you're, you're in uh, North Queensland, so the, the Queensland Registry of Births, Deaths and Marriages, they can um, take a court order and respond to that by putting your name on the birth certificate and, and the court can make orders about the time that you spend with your son. Yeah, I mean, I right. would love to see my boy. He's four years old, so... Mm. Rick, yeah. uh, you know, heart goes out to you and uh, thank you so much for calling in and uh, running by your scenario with our special guest today. Rick from North Queensland, thanks for your call. Just a minute or so out from the news, uh, when we're hearing these sorts of calls, uh, it puts a, a human face on a family lawyer mm-hmm. uh, and on perhaps on the whole family law profession. And, uh, and you know, as you come as a Christian family lawyer, uh, there's a compassion I really sense in, in the way that you deal with these sorts of things, Steve. Oh, absolutely, because, you know, the sad part of being a family lawyer is just about everybody you see is going through some kind of trauma. Sometimes I wish I'd picked something more commercially focused or something a little bit more exciting in the, in the sense of uh, people coming to you with a happier set of circumstances, but the reality is lots of people are going through really difficult processes and uh, really difficult times, and if you can speak some some joy, uh, some hope into that situation, then that's really good. Well, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. If you have a question or a scenario on family law, grandparents, extended family, we'll continue our conversation after Vision National News. Coming up, afternoons with Chris and Alex. Alex returns from her holiday this afternoon, and we'll find out exactly what she got up to in her four days away. And we also want to find out what your church methods are in welcoming new people. How do you keep people and keep them happy? in the church and uh, make them come back. We want to know. Give us a call. Steve, let's continue to take uh, some calls. Let's hear from another Rodney. It's uh, Rodney Day to Day. Rodney, this time in Brisbane. Hello, Rodney. Welcome along. Thank you for having me. Hi, Rodney. What are your thoughts? Look, I have a uh, just a, a question for the, for the guest speaker. Yep, sure. Now, look, I... Like, um, I'll, I'll give my hand. Look, I, um, look, I've got a partner. She's been involved since my daughter's six months old, and she treats her as one of her own. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 really there for when I'm, you know, away working. Now, um, look, um, I was awarded my daughter from the courts and for the Department of Child Safety when my daughter was uh, six weeks old. Mm-hmm. Um, there was severe issues with mother and her family. Now, um, now look, I, I won't say too much because it can get political, but I just have a question for the guest speaker. Um, is he still there? Or yes, yeah, fire there? away, Rodney. Oh, sorry. Now, look, my, um, I've had my daughter in my care uh, since she was six weeks old. So how old is she, she now, Rodney? Uh, she is now uh, three, two, four, this, um, and about two, uh, less than a week. Okay. Now, um, you know, it, it got political with the, the, the grandparents, um, you know, sort of things, with them having severe um, a history with, um, now, well, I believe to have been told uh, child pornography um, and, and other um, circumstances in relation to uh, severe matters. Look, I just want to know where I stand because I'm about to take court proceedings as well. And, you know, look, my do- every time my daughter went to contact, she'd scream. The, uh, the mother would barely show up. Um, you know, had no interest in the child. Um, tried to try to kill the child. Um, you know, while she was in a tummy, and then went to uh, put in the lifeline bin. Now I don't know if it's a, if it's that, that was a drug 
um, uh, like a, a drug thing or she was, you know, mentally not well. Um, just uh, some feedback would be would be excellent um, in, in relation to um, the upcoming cases and, and stuff like that because I want to know where I stand because... Yeah, okay, Rodney. Let's get some thoughts from Steve Potts. So, Rodney, let, let's break it down into a couple of into a couple of broad areas. So, yep. one is um, when it, when a court is making decisions about the time that a child will spend with people, whether it be parents or extended family members. There's a few things that the court has got to do to assess what's going to be in a child's best interest, because that's the that's the framework that every court decision is being made with. What is in the best interest of this particular child? And the way the court does that is to start with some primary considerations. And those primary considerations are the benefit to the children of having a meaningful relationship with both parents, okay, but also the need to protect children from harm. That means being exposed to abuse, neglect, family violence, emotional harm, psychological harm, things like that. And when the court's weighing up those primary considerations about the the uh, meaningful relationship with parents and the protection from harm, the court will always put more weight on the need to protect children from harm. Okay, so that's the that's the framework that the court's working through. The way it does that is it's obviously got to look for the evidence to be able to answer questions about what is the risk to these children spending time with uh, their parents or with extended family members. Now, risks are everywhere. We all have risks. We get in a car, we, we face various risks, but we do things to mitigate those risks. So when we get in a car, we, we put our seatbelt on, things like that. Now, when a court's making orders about the time that children spend with a grandparent or a parent, what they've got to try and assess is what is the nature of the risk that the child faces and what things can be done to mitigate the risk. Now, obvious examples about mitigating risk might be, well, if there's a risk that a parent's going to snatch a child and run and disappear, then one of the ways we can prevent that from happening is, from the, is for the child to spend time with that parent or a grandparent in a supervised setting. So at a contact centre, for example, um, it might be the case that as kids get older, that's no longer necessary because the kids uh, have that ability to either um, be more aware of what's going on or to um, put in place some self-protection uh, measures. That's the same whether it be a parent snatching a child, whether it be a risk of abuse or neglect or sexual abuse. Obviously, um, that's very difficult because the nature of the risk might not necessarily be known. So that what the court's going to be doing in your situation, if you make an application to the court, is trying to assess what's the nature of the risk, what are the consequences that might flow if that risk was to happen, and what are the steps that can be taken to mitigate that risk in the meantime. So have that thought in mind as you're preparing your material, your evidence to go to the court because you want to be able to explain clearly to the judge who's making a decision, this is what the nature of the risk is. But don't just say, this is the risk and therefore there can't be any relationship. Have a think about, okay, what steps could be taken to mitigate that risk? Because you might not be so keen on the idea of the child having a relationship with the other parent, but think that the You've just got to remember that the judge, as part of his or her decision-making, is saying, um, how do I create a situation where this child can have a meaningful relationship if I can do it safely? So can, you, I, can I ask you a question? Yeah, fire away. Now, if, it's, if the mother is on the run from the law, mm-hmm. where, um, where do I stand with that? Because she can't be found. She won't turn up to a, a court uh, a courthouse in, in that switch. Yep. Um, so where, where does that leave me? Because... 
The court can make orders by default. So what's important is that when you make your application to the court, you show the court that you've done everything you possibly can to track that person down and to give them a copy of the documents so that um, you can say to the court, look, I've done all that I can to bring this application to her knowledge. Now, that might be you, you send a copy to her parents. It might be that you send a copy to her last known address. If you have an email address, you might send it to her email address. If you know, for example, that she's active on Facebook, then you might try and get in contact with her via Facebook. The court has certainly allowed that in circumstances, said, yes, we're satisfied that you have attempted to serve those documents through Facebook or through f- some other form of uh, social media. The important thing is that you tell the court, look, I've done what I can, and if the court's satisfied that you've done what you can, then the court can make orders in default. The fact that she doesn't turn up doesn't stop the court from making orders. Oh, okay. Mm. Right, Rodney, was that helpful? Yeah, definitely. Another question, I was listening to, because I listen to you guys, um, you know, every morning before I go to work and and gym at lunch hour, Um, and um, just just another scenario, I was listening to a chat before um, with his... Um, you know, um, oh, so with his scenario and, and what, what's going on with him is, you know, look, because they've had no contact with, um, like I've made all the, as you said, the attempts possible um, to, you know, um, also keep, in, keep safety measures in place as well. Mm-hmm. Um, look, with their background, it, it's not very bright. Uh, it's not, um, as, you, as you say, you know, you've got to, Putting um, risk factors and, and safety measures um, a, a relation to with kids as well, um, and I, I can't say on there because I don't know if I'll get in trouble or not. Um, oh, don't but, say a name, no. no. No, 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 not not the name, no. Just with what they've been charged with. No, pro- probably best not to talk about their criminal charges on on the radio. Uh, Rodney, why don't we uh, we'll we'll cut that there. Uh, thank you so much for your input today, and uh, I'm glad you called. And thank you for running by us that scenario. And I hope that uh, what Steve Potts was able to share was helpful in just understanding that process as you're going through it. Uh, Rodney, thanks so much for being part of 2020 today. You might like to join in our conversation. Our talkback line is open. You might have a question for our special guest family lawyer, Uh, you might have a scenario that you're going through and you'd like to get some sort of uh, light into uh, the darkness of misunderstanding or things that you don't understand, as you can hear, things are very complex when it comes to this area of family law. Uh, 1-800-316-316 is our number, 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in our conversation. Interestingly, Steve, uh, you're dealing with these sorts of things all the time and we can hear today that things are very messy in so many family circumstances. Uh, We know that you're a Christian, a Christian family lawyer, and your heart is... It's it's different to what uh, a lot of people might perceive about family lawyers uh, because you want the best for people. You want to have a win-win situation. You want people's rights to be uh, recognised. You want people to understand what the court will do. Uh, let me just ask you to reflect on your own Christian experience, the things that shape you as a Christian believer that make your family look different, that make your life look different because of your faith in Christ. I wonder whether you're able to share a few thoughts on that sort of thing for us. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, the situation that we face as as individuals and the damage that's caused to relationships is all just the consequences of sin. It's sin just in another form. Sometimes it comes in selfishness. Sometimes it comes in um, ignorance. Sometimes it comes in um, 
well, usually it's selfishness. Truth be told, I mean, sin at its core is selfishness, and it's putting yourself first rather than God first. And the situations that we see as family lawyers, and you said Christian family lawyers, some would say that's a bit of an oxymoron to say, how can you be a Christian and a family lawyer? But um, the situation is, it's the nature of sin. It just does damage everywhere it goes. And so I think part of the challenge that I have is trying to reality test people. All family lawyers will try and reality test their clients and say, okay, what does this mean if this if you make this application to the court or this is what the law actually says about this situation and try and reality test what's going on. I think from a Christian perspective, I'm still doing that same reality testing, but I'm trying to speak a little bit of hope, a bit of the gospel into that situation so that the, the perspective might be broadened to uh, to see beyond the immediate fight that's in front of their face and, and see how they can actually develop that relationship because everybody knows the judges are always pleading with parents saying you've got to parent these kids for another 10 years or 15 years you can't let this level of hostility and this level of animosity that you're experiencing right now be the tone for the rest of these children's lives because they're going to end up damaged if you guys can't sort these issues out so part of my role as a family lawyer is saying okay here's how we can work on these these are the kinds of programs you can go and do these are the kinds of Thoughts that uh, thought processes that you can adapt to try and improve the communication with the other parent. Even if you can't live with them anymore, here's some things that you can do to be able to move beyond that so that collectively you can still co-parent these children. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316, an anonymous caller calling through with a question or scenario. Hello, uh, caller. Welcome along. Oh, hello. How are you? Very well. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well... As a family, we're going through this situation where um, my um, ex-daughter-in-law is... Um, we've got an 11-year-old child, but she's denigrating her about a father, and the father's okay, yeah. But um, we've been through a situation where she was coaching her to run away and all sorts of things, and police were involved and mm. ambulance, and it was absolutely awful. And they've calmed down a bit because... BCP sorted some stuff down so my son could have access and we um, it's getting concerning because the kids getting quite confused yeah we're trying to as a family trying to be stable loving you know times with her yep and my son's quite successful but the ex doors and all just go and then what do you call it very angry and yeah. bitter. Yep. So, so you're a grandparent. You're the grandparent in this situation. And yeah. do you mind me asking, are there any court proceedings on foot at the moment or is it uh, is it something that's being worked out privately at the moment? Um, she, they were going to court, but she let my son have access. Okay. Mm. So there's... There's a range of options that can um, – really what you're doing at the moment is really key, and that is trying to maintain some stability for the child and just let that child enjoy the time that they spend with you and your your side of the family because mm-hmm. um, the old adage, actions speak louder than words, is very true. You know, a, a child will often adapt its behaviour to minimise conflict in the situation that it finds itself. So if, if, if your granddaughter finds that by holding – or expressing positive views about her dad in mum's household, that's going to put her into conflict with mum. And so she's going to modify what she says 
to to reduce the amount of conflict that she's exposed to with her dad. Sorry, with her mum. Now, mm. if there's some time that she can spend with you and your family and her dad, and she's just there and there's no pressure on her, she can just relax and be herself. Then what she what that's going to do is counteract the negative things that are being said about dad because she's going to say, well, my experience is completely the opposite of what I'm being told by mum. Now, that doesn't really help her in the meantime. It's actually going to create more conflict because she's going to say, hang on a minute, mum's saying one thing, but my experience of dad and his family is very different. But It's awful, actually. It is, but the, the, the worst scenario is then to um, – to respond in kind and start saying the same things back because all that oh, done is, no, and I'm not suggesting you that. would, but but yeah. I've certainly seen it as a family lawyer because you know naturally people sometimes can't help themselves. They say, no, I've got to put my case forward. I've got to explain this to the child. And there's a certain amount of explaining that is appropriate to a child, and then there's other explanations that only entrench that child or um, enmesh them more in the conflict. And it's really hard. I appreciate it. it's really hard, but what you're doing is 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 really good, and that's just providing a good, solid, safe environment uh, for her when she spends time. And look, even if there's some orders in place at the moment, there are options that um, that are available. For example, we talked a little bit before about the family relationship centres. They often do what's called a child-inclusive mediation. Private mediation organisations do this as well. I'd, what I would say is it, as that relationship improves and as the child enjoys that time with uh, her dad and with your side of the family – then it might be an idea to have a think about, okay, maybe a, a child-inclusive mediation where we can go and mediate, maybe talk about some changes to the arrangements, but also the child's views can be taken into a, into consideration. I wouldn't go rushing off to do that if there's not that groundwork already laid for the child's relationship with dad because what mum says will, will, will be more obvious in the child's responses. But as the child starts to get a bit more familiarity with dad, dad's household, your household, the, that broader network and more comfortable, she'll probably be more comfortable expressing that to someone like a, a child, um, like a child psychologist or a support worker. The child won't mm. sit in the mediation and, and be a part of the mediation, but they'll meet with the, that child psychologist or a social worker beforehand and then that social worker or child psychologist will report back at the mediation and sometimes that's a really helpful way of having the child's views taken into consideration, tempered by the fact that they might still be a little bit influenced by mum and dad, but it just gives mum and dad something objective to work with rather than their own, um, you know, the, what's immediately in front of their face. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Family law specialist Steve Potts, our guest, and just a couple of minutes remaining and uh, just... Uh, superheroes, grandparents, who are coming in like white knights and looking to the welfare of their grandchildren, mm. uh, dealing with the situations of of these sorts of things uh, where families are breaking down. Steve, grandparents have a tremendous weight on their shoulders when they have to step in and, and rescue in, in this, circ- this circumstance. Oftentimes uh, they're a part of the the whole uh, relationship, supervised visits and things mm. like that. Uh, this is something that grandparents perhaps need to be prepared for when there's uh, when there's a breakdown in families. Yeah, absolutely. We we talked a little bit before about those grandparents who who either by agreement or by maybe by court order are asked to supervise visits because it's not to say that necessarily the child is at risk, but the court doesn't know yet. So the court might say, well, let's put a protective measure around, and that might be grandparents supervising. Now, if grandparents never supervised. They think, well, where on earth do I start? What, what, what are my obligations? I mean, at its core, 
the obligation is just to make sure that those children are safe, that they're not removed, that inappropriate things aren't being said to them. And there's a whole range of really good online resources that can be found. I practice family law in Queensland, uh, and Legal Aid Queensland has a great little brochure about supervision and the obligations. If you were just simply to Google Legal Aid Queensland Supervision, I think it's the first or second hit is that little brochure. You can download it. It's about three or four pages, and it just sets out the kinds of things that the court's looking for from supervisors. And if you have a read-through, that's going to give you, if you're a grandparent and you're being asked to supervise, I think that's going to give you a lot more confidence about what your role is, about making sure those children are safe, because um, it might be the case that the court needs a short affidavit from you later saying, well, what actually did happen if there's allegations going backwards and forwards, and having that level of objectivity saying, yes, I know it's my child, I know that I don't think that they would ordinarily do that kind of thing that they're alleged to have done, but I'm going to stand here independently because I want to make sure that my grandchild is safe and I'll do whatever is necessary to ensure that my grandchild is safe. And they just do a fantastic job. And Steve, you mentioned the Queensland sites, yeah. uh, but are most of those laws going to be very similar or the same yeah. in, in all of the other states? Yeah, absolutely. So the law in relation, other the child protection is slightly different in each state, but the Family Law Act, which relates, uh, which regulates the um, arrangements for children with their parents and with other extended family members, is the same throughout Australia. So I just picked Legal Aid Queensland because that's the jurisdiction that I'm in. But if you Google it, you'll get their information, and the obligations on grandparents are the same. Steve, some will be wanting to make some contact with you. Uh, I'll give a website. Uh, Steve Potts is specialist in family law. He's also managing director of Newman and Turnour Lawyers in Brisbane. Uh, there is a website. It's ntlawyers.com.au. That's ntlawyers.com.au. Steve Potts, thanks so much for taking some time to not only share your heart, but your expertise and your insights, uh, almost like a counsellor today, and uh, just great insights, and thank you so much for uh, taking that time to share your thoughts with our listeners. Thanks, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.